When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Are you a lifelong fan of General Hospital? Are you a new fan who wants to know more about the history of the show? Do you enjoy talking about the show with others? Do you find yourself yelling at the TV? Is your self-care an hour a day in Port Charles? If so, we invite you to join hosts Amanda Kimmel and Shannon Coach at the place where all the hidden conversations take place and secrets are revealed. Meet us at Pier 54, a General Hospital fan podcast. Okay, she left again. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and keep okay. going. <laughs> okay. Right, whoever wants to pop in can pop in. Exactly. So welcome to the first General Hospital fan book club meeting. I am Shannon Coach. I am one of the hosts of Pier 54, a General Hospital fan podcast. And we are here with Amanda, my co-host. Hi. <laughs> Ashley, who is actually our fan of the month this year. Hello. Popping in and out. Um, we've had someone, Catherine, popping in and out. New technology, you know, being able to virtually meet like this. Sometimes it can be difficult to figure out. So, but yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this book with you ladies. Was it what you expected, Ashley? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there is like a lot of stuff about Maurice that I didn't really know. Like I knew that he was bipolar, but I just thought it was really interesting how it kind of dove into all of that because like, I don't know about you guys, but when I think of like a celebrity, like you don't necessarily hear about their struggles and, and whatnot. I mean, and you, you know that people have struggles, but it, I just thought it was really interesting about how he like dove into all of that. And I thought it was interesting about how when he was a child, he was kind of starting to see some, some semblance of possibly, you know, being bipolar, but not really sure like what was going on. But I thought that was really interesting that even as a child, he was, he was seeing some of it. So I thought it was really good. And especially that time period that he grew up in, you know, and he even addressed that with mm -hmm. his heritage too. And the time period, yeah. you know, didn't really lend to accepting mental health differences. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that we're in the times that we're in whenever it comes to mental health. I mean, there's still such a stigma, but back then it wasn't even talked about. It wasn't really a possibility. Like his description of being in the mental institution 
It's like they didn't do anything except for drug him and keep him tied up. There was no trying to find a diagnosis or understand what his issues may have been. Mm-hmm. That may have been no. one of the parts that tried through. <laughs> yeah. So. I thought it was weird too, like when he was in the mental institution, like he really didn't talk. I feel like they really didn't talk much about like him actually talking to a therapist and that didn't actually happen. I feel like until after he got out of the, of the mental institution. Right. That's true. I did not think about that as I was reading a good job. Like that's (laughs) a good point. Yeah. And there was a lot of interaction between the patients which I would just assume back then everyone was being kept separated. But when he described, you know, the room that he stayed in and being able to trade his jacket for shoes and all that kind of stuff, it felt like a movie more than something that would have actually occurred. Well, have you ever seen the movie yeah. Girl Interrupted? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. That's yeah. what I first think. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize that that movie could have been a true depiction of what it was like. It was just a movie. Oh, it's absolutely horrible when you start researching how mental health facilities have been run. Yes. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, looking at a mental facility now, like, how is it different now in a mental institution versus, like, back in the 80s or 70s when he was in one? I know it's different now. First of all, you meet with a therapist. You don't just get thrown in a room and kind of forgotten about. And then, you know, they're working towards getting you out of there. It felt like the conversations he was having, they would have been happy keeping him there for months. There was no real end to him leaving until he escaped. And now, mm-hmm. you know, they truly are working to get you stable so you can go out on your own. Yeah. So one of the questions that I have is just, why did you want to read it? You know, was it because of Maurice or was it because of mental health or maybe a little bit of both? Oh, uh, I think for me, it was a little bit of both. So yeah, because, I just thought it would be interesting to to learn more about him, and I knew that he was he you know had bi- he has bipolar, so I thought it would just be interesting just to read it just all around. So that was kind of my reasoning for wanting to read it. Mine was solely just because I wanted to know more about him. The bipolar part, kind of like Ashley said, I knew he was bipolar, and I felt like because I've had experience with that with my daughter that I wasn't going to learn that much, and then hearing his description of it. I don't know that I learned a lot more, but you could feel it, or I could feel it. Like I said, I cried a couple of times as I was reading it, just because it kind of hit close to home. Mm-hmm. I feel like the book kind of hit close home for me too, because I mean, not that I have a a um, you know bipolar or anything like that, but with me being blind, I could relate to like people telling him, "Well, I don't think you can act. Like I don't think you can do this." And I think that's like a common a common thread that we can all identify with because everyone has all you know has told us at some point in our lives that we can't do something so I felt like a connection to that because you know I've been told that throughout my life and I've had to overcome overcome that and you know prove to those people that yes I can can do this so I felt like you know he had to deal with that too and overcome those um negative perceptions of him right yeah I mean it's tough and then I mean he even had where that one coach wanted him to change his name you know so that he didn't sound mm-hmm. you know latino yeah yeah um, right. well then i thought it was i thought it was tough for him too like because his dad didn't think his dad didn't support him in the beginning and his dad didn't think that he could be an actor unless he could be like a soap opera actor with you know when his dad was watching all my children and and maurice asked him like you know well would you approve of this if i was on a soap opera if i was on all my children 
So I thought that was, you know, that was interesting because that, that had to be rough, not having necessarily your parent fully support you in the beginning on what you wanted to do. I thought it was really interesting that his dad, first of all, I mean, the relationship that he had with Maurice was not the healthiest, you know, and Mm -hmm. I guess there is such the stereotype of guys who watch soap operas and here's his dad who is running around drinking Mr. Macho loves all my children. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely doesn't fit like the stereotype that you would think of of someone who watches soap operas. I kind of love that because it was like, okay, that's, you know, my grandfather used to watch General Hospital with my gram after he mm-hmm. had back surgery. And my husband knows more than he lets on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked his honesty because it was definitely very scary. Some of the stuff that he admitted mm-hmm. to that he did, you know? Yeah. I felt like he didn't necessarily hold anything back and he was very candid. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it, I felt like the whole book painted a a very full picture of, of who he, who he is, you know, as a person all around. I, I liked the book, but I would like a follow-up from his wife's perspective, or I would have liked like a closing chapter from his wife's perspective because she was there through almost everything. And so I would have to hear, you know, her account of how things happened because, you know, when more than one person's involved, it's not an actual true account until you have all the sides of it. So I would like to have mm-hmm. heard what she thought about it. And if it was yeah. if it was worse in his mind at times or if it like he was downplaying it in his mind. Not that he wasn't being honest, just what his perception, if that's how she perceived it also. We're right, because she would have a different perception than him, because everything that he was describing, and it sounds like at points, he was just, he was rotten to her. I mean, like, you know, he was, he was going out with other women, and like, yeah. but, but she loved, like, but she, but she loved him, and it sounds like she was just so incredibly, like, loyal and faithful, and, like, she knew, like, I love you, I'm going to stay with you, like, if we're meant to be, we'll find our way back together, and, and it would be very interesting for her to for us to hear her view on on everything because she was there for all of it right exactly and she was so young too whenever he said she was seven like they celebrated her 17th birthday together that's crazy to have that perspective on life already 17 yeah she sounded like she was very very mature for her age but she had to be though because the type of home she grew up in with you know with having a drug addict mother and having to take care of your your nieces and stuff so I definitely feel like she was probably wise beyond her years and she had to grow up very quickly and probably didn't have much of a childhood right I'm guessing that would be great and especially it's a shame about his friends right Mm -hmm. you know because that would have been great well to have there or even from his parents also you know because it would be interesting because his mom kind of had that revelation at the end where she's like maybe I should get some help you know, because yeah, definitely not allowed to back then. You know, you don't. Right. You know, you weren't yeah. allowed to. You had to stay home, take care of the kids, cook the dinner, keep the house clean, mm-hmm. shut up and smile. Yeah. I mean, you talked about it earlier, Ashley, with like the celebrities and everything, and so many have died by suicide, and you think everything's perfect. Right. And it's not perfect. Like you can't necessarily look at someone and 
say in their life they're perfect because you don't know what what kind of struggles they're they're going through. Just because everything looks fine on the outside doesn't mean everything is fine on the inside. Exactly. So what did you already know about the book's subject before reading? And I would say either about Maurice or mental health. And I know that we've kind of talked about this, but um well, I know the the one thing I didn't know, like I knew that he had his his children. I knew he had the one daughter, Heather, but I didn't know that Heather was really Paula's sister and that Maurice and and Paula ended up adopting Heather. I did not know that. I thought that was interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, I hadn't known that either. I knew about his biological kids. I didn't know that they had adopted Heather. I knew that they that he had an adopted daughter, but I didn't know that that's how she became part of their family. Yeah. And that's just so sweet. Yeah, that is really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was I think it's sweet too how like he loves animals so much and how they played a huge part in in his life. Um, over the years I think that's sweet and then Paula feels the same way so they have a house full of animals like I think that's that's really cool so and I've I heard about like Buddy the Goat like reading things on Twitter but I'm not on Instagram so I didn't realize like the whole thing and then it's like he's I'm reading the book and he's talking about like Buddy and the Goat and it's like oh it's an Instagram thing (laughs) like he has a goat named Buddy like I didn't fully understand all that until I read his book then it made more fun. He shares like little videos with him. It's uh uh-huh. it's cute. Aw. I just thought it was funny that that was what she went to. Like if you said that you were sad and you loved animals, I might get you a bunny or a kitten. I wouldn't be like, there's a goat. I think that will cheer you up. Yeah, that was an, an interesting choice of animal too to get with a goat. I wouldn't necessarily think that either. I would think like puppy, kitten, bunny, maybe a guinea pig or like something hey. you can kind of like cuddle but I wouldn't necessarily think a goat <laughs> yeah I wouldn't even know where to get a goat if I wanted to get one for someone that's crazy yeah, I know yeah yeah <laughs> we're not allowed to have them where we live Amanda oh well that's good because I'd oh, probably no, no goat see I, I could probably go down to Amish country because I'm not far from Amish country they probably have goats down there so <laughs> I really wanted to find one. I could probably find one. <laughs> well, expect to see your Instagram post with that then, Ashley. Here's my adventure getting it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> did you listen to the audio? I did, yeah, yeah, I did. What was it like hearing him? Because I read the like the physical book. Amanda, did you listen mm-hmm. to the audio or did you read the physical book? No, I read it. Okay. I read it. So what was it like hearing I... him? talk about it so like personally like I I love audiobooks that are being narrated by um by the actual author like I just I find them I not that they're not meaningful when they're when they're narrated by like another person but I think it just adds another layer of meaning to the book because it's actually being narrated by the person who actually wrote the book so I thought it was interesting I got points throughout the book as I was listening to it, there was just like different like inflections in his in his voice, and you you could tell like he was like trying not to get emotional, and he was trying to keep like an even an even tone. So I'm sure it was probably I would imagine it might be hard to actually have to like sit and you know narrate your own book, but I thought it was really cool to listen to him narrate the the book. I read it all in like one day, 
(laughs) So I just like, once I started listening, I couldn't stop. And I, I hunkered down and just finished it all in day. It was just, it was just really good. And I just, I love listening to his, to his voice. So that was nice. Like the one part I thought was where like his voice kind of, you could tell that there was some emotion in his voice was, oh, it was the part of the book where he was really upset the one day on set. Shelly Curtis kind of like talked him through it and was, and was comforting towards him and told him like, you can do this. We'll just take it one page at a time. We'll take it one day at a time. Like it'll, it'll be okay. And he kind of, to me, it felt like his voice was, you could kind of tell like there was some inflection there and, and there was some emotion. So I thought that was really, really sweet because I mean, here's this guy who's coming into work and he's starting a new job and he's not sure like if people are going to be like accepting of all this, him having bipolar. And, you know, it's one of those things where he even said like, we, we, I, I don't talk about it. Like that's something that you don't, you don't talk about. And he's, he's telling these women that, you know, he, he works with, you know, that I have this and they were just, they're very comforting and they were very, you know, just very okay with it. And so I thought that was really, really like, night because you definitely you know wonder like what would someone think and they it they didn't let that stigmatize him at work and they were willing to work with him and they seemed like they were very very accommodating so i thought that was really nice and i really enjoyed that part of the book don't you hate when you're listening to a great podcast and suddenly you're interrupted by an ad? I know. Thank goodness. Stitcher lets us listen to our favorite podcasts like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, and many more ad-free for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today. Use promo code PEER54 for one month free on us. I loved every time that and Paula called and canceled and Paula called and canceled. And I was like, yeah, take charge. <laughs> yeah. I like I someone. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that he didn't like Chad Duell. Oh, I know. He was so mean. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, or, or when he was talking about when Tamara Braun was with Carly and he's like, yeah, I, I made her cry. I liked her as Carly. <laughs> I was glad to see that he apologized. Yes, yeah. and he apologized, which I thought that was that was that was good too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You prob I doubt that you knew this listening to it, but they actually misspelled Zakara with Claudia Zakara. Oh. That's interesting. Huh. They spelled it like Z A K R A or something like that. Oh. Huh. It, yes, I know, Amanda. I'm a nerd, okay? <laughs> you are a nerd. <laughs> I love you, I wonder, if I, I wonder if anyone else picked up on that. I don't know. That's why I was really looking forward to talking to people. So we had, like, seven people. <laughs> I mean, it's gorgeous here, so if it's nice out, I don't blame people for... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice it. That was a, there was a couple sentences that it felt like they had messed up a word or like left out a word as I was reading it, and so I would double read it, but I didn't notice that they misspelled Zakara. I just read it because I read it. So you are a geek. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was perfect timing that the book came out, and now we're doing like the Flashback Fridays, and they were able to show the Sunny Flashback episode. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really read. appropriate. Yeah. Oh, that's good. 
I thought it was funny though in the book he started talking about when they started the Mike storyline and it's still going on. It's still going on. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I want them to kill him off. I just I didn't realize it started that long ago, I guess. Yeah. Me neither. Like I, I feel like I don't know, in some ways it hasn't been going on for as long as it's been going on, I guess. Like like I don't know. Yeah. It was nice to hear him talking about his relationship with Ron Hale back in the day and everything too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there anything that was the most surprising, I guess? Hmm. I don't necessarily think, I don't know if anything was necessarily, like, surprising at any point. Hmm. I guess I wasn't really surprised, but I guess I just, I never knew that he was in a mental institution. So not that I really found that necessarily surprising about everything that he was going through at the given time. But I just thought that part of the book was just really interesting because that's definitely something you don't hear people talk about a whole lot right I didn't know that either I think that was what I was the most surprised about yeah. I want to know if they named the character Manny after his friend oh yeah oh, good yeah. point yeah hmm. I was surprised the relationship with his dad that he was able to maintain you could tell he respected his dad even though he had the issues with the way that his dad quote-unquote disciplined him at the time he still kept that level of respect. And like when he got the job on All My Children and he went on to be a soap actor and be successful in other ways, that he didn't throw that back in his dad's face. Because I would have been that person to be like, see, I told you and you didn't believe in me. I would have got mad and crappy about it and hostile. And he just used it as a motivator to succeed. So, And he, and he was very respectful of his dad too. I feel like throughout the whole throughout the whole book like he never lost any any respect for him yes so kept that level of respect he was very graceful he was honest about things but he was very I, I think that he repeated it a few times. This is how I saw it. And having yeah. that, because, I mean, it is all perception, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Or when but, they finally had that realization with, well, your brother went through the same stuff and is fine. And he's like, but I'm not him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's like it clicked for we them. We all perceive things. Yeah, we all perceive things differently. And then I thought it was also interesting that, you know, he, he was able to main, maintain that level of respect, you know, for his dad. But yet he was able to acknowledge, like, I don't want to be like him in raising my children. I don't want to, to be that harsh, like, disciplinarian when I, when I, you know, when I'm raising my kids. And he, I think he even said that a couple of times, you know, throughout the the book that he didn't necessarily want to be like his father in raising his children. I thought it was really perceptive that he noticed how he started to parent his son differently though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he was all sweet and and kind with his daughters, but then like with Joshua, he was more like up in his face where he like threw his phone the one day. And yeah. So I noticed that too, how he did kind of parent them differently. But then I think he almost kind of sounded like, too, he needed to take a step back. And he kind of realized, like, I need to take a step back and mm-hmm. think about how I'm doing things. So I'm sure he probably tried to keep himself in check. But then I feel like Paula, though, probably kept him in check, too, if he was doing something that, you know, might have been, like, out of line. I could see that happening, her keeping him in check. Yeah, definitely. Hit it, the nail on the head. Like, we need Paula's story because she's been there through oh, I know. 90% of this, you know. It's... Yeah, yeah. Well, then she had her own struggles, too, because she had thyroid cancer. And when she was going through that, she was still, like, 
taking care of everything and, and taking care of their children and, and managing him. I mean, that's a whole, that has to be a full-time job. And then, you know, your mom and do, having all those other responsibilities too, then she's, she's, you know, fighting her cancer. I feel like Paula definitely has a story within herself to tell like she needs to write a book. Yes. <laughs> I would right. write it if she wrote one. So. Yes, exactly. I feel like even like the parenting stuff, I wonder, was he really that much harder on his son than he was the daughters? Or is that how he perceives it? Like, you know, mm-hmm. we have kids, right. you know, what it's like, you, you get used to parenting one kid and then you have to kind of change gears for the other kid. It doesn't matter so much that it's boy, girl or age or whatever. It's they're different people. People are different. Right. From the time that right. they're born. So right. you when can't he have the same disciplinarian ch- style for each child because every child's different. It, exactly. So I wonder, you know, if he really was that much harder or that was just him being overly cautious not to turn out to be his father. And so I would like to hear Paula's perspective on that. Did she really have to rein him in or he was fine and he was just overanalyzing? And the same thing with her right. being The way he described it, it was like he wasn't really there for her. Not that he didn't you know, tried to be or whatever, but as he was describing it, it was, he's off over here doing this and she's going to doctors and doing all this stuff. Was he really that separate from it or did he just feel like Mm -hmm. he wasn't doing enough? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. She definitely needs to write one. (laughs) Let let them know. Definitely. (laughs) Hey, Maurice, I need Paula's input here. So thanks. I loved hearing about his like different auditions and you know roles like he didn't get and then ones that he had to fight for i actually wound up watching the john Gotti movie or the victoria Gotti movie oh yeah i think i just watched it yesterday or friday i don't know what day it is it was friday that you told me you were watching it but i don't know if that was the day you actually watched it okay so that was friday i did not watch it the lady who played in it looks Uh like she could be lexi hainsworth's mom but it's not oh really I mean, well, she looked like her. Yeah, I had to watch that movie again, too, after reading the book. Just to, just to see him in it since he talks so much about it. Mm-hmm. He did good. He did. Yeah, he did. I liked him sharing how he coaches the other actors. Yeah, yeah. the Maurice method. Yeah, I like that part, too. Like, everyone was going to him <laughs> so they could learn his method acting. I like that he, well, because it seemed like Brian Craig was not going to possibly be Morgan. That's what it sounded like. Yeah, that they had someone else in mind. Maurice was like, no. Brought it, you know? And I mean, he fought for him. Yeah. And then they said that he fought for that Jennifer, who was the Carly, who was hardly there. Oh, yeah. They got cold to Laura Wright when she first came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that he has issues accepting new characters or new actors for the characters the same way that we do it takes some time to get used to them I mean you shouldn't have been mean to them but I feel the same way when they change it up that's not the right person you probably get used to working with someone after so long and you kind of get used to the to the way that they do things and and you you learn to rely on that person especially if you're you know acting and you you work closely with them so I'm sure it has to be difficult whenever they they bring a, a recast and play a character when you're so used to working with that person on a daily basis right like when Michael was recast when Chad was recast as Michael he was in the middle of the trial or it was the beginning of the trial mm-hmm. so I mean it was a heavy yeah. storyline you know yeah he or, yeah he got thrown into some heavy stuff right away Mike has been gone for a couple of years so you're kind of out of that rhythm you know he wasn't mm-hmm. 
So he was able to accept Max Gale easier because yeah. he hadn't been with him. That's a really good point. And it's really hard to adjust to the kids, too, because he was talking about how he would have kids in real life kind of in line with when the character would have kids. <laughs> so when they turn around and age them up like that, I'm sure it messes with the way he was used to playing scenes or interacting because you kind of picture your on-screen child the same as you do your real child at home. And when you come home or come in the next day and they're 10 years older... It messes everything up. Mm -hmm. Very true. All in all, though, I really liked the book. You know, it was it was a quick read. I thought it was very honest. It was it, it was. I thought of, it was sweet. At, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was sweet at the end of the book where he kind of talked about each of his children as they were like, you know, reaching their milestones with either graduating college or or getting married. I thought that was sweet how he kind of touched on each of his children. Mm -hmm. I wondered what happened with his daughter's wedding that should be coming up next month. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, we already know that he's able to throw a wedding 10 years later. True. So and in fact, that was super sweet. I thought it was really funny yeah. that her wasn't done, though, and he had no idea. That was a typical man who just thought it was ready in the yeah. back. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. God. It wasn't sewn together. You know, he, <laughs> he probably didn't take it out to look at it. But I mean, that's when you also call your fr her friend and is like, hey, can you take a look at this and make sure that it's, first of all, that it still fits. I mean, let's be honest. No, okay. oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she looked beautiful, and she finally got her fairy Cinderella. Tale. Yeah, her yeah. wedding. Yeah, it'll be disappointing, though, if they don't get to have this wedding for his daughter after she's helped plan it and all that to, again, have to postpone. I know. Hopefully they get to get married. Yeah. Maybe they'll just do, like, a quiet ceremony at home or something and then maybe celebrate with everybody once everything's lifted. Once yeah, that yeah. could be. Well, I've been seeing virtual weddings. You know, people are getting together with the officiant and they're mm -hmm. it, they're using they're like, using like huh. oh, that's one way of doing it. That would work. <laughs> I think later down the road when I wanted to annul that, I would be like, oh, look, it wasn't real. It happened through Zoom and during a time of stress. <laughs> think about it. I mean, if you really want to be married, are you going to let, you know, coronavirus stop you from being actually married just to be able to get a party? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The party was the best part of my wedding, so I would want that party to go. <laughs> Especially now that I'm divorced, it was all about the party. So. I mean, I had a good time at my reception, but, you know, if I had to cancel my wedding and indefinitely and not be able to know, I don't know, we probably just would have, well, I guess you couldn't go to the courthouse because they're closed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I would probably ask the officiant to do it, you know, six feet away from us and make it official, but I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do a whole Zoom thing. It would just be me, him, and the officiant. Yeah. Yeah. You just do the three of you and you're all wearing yeah. your mask and you're six feet apart, then it'd be all right. Exactly. And then have a big party when the world opens back up again. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. see, they could, they could still get married if they did it right. You know? Yeah. So. Exactly. I'm sure they'll figure it out. I'm sure they will. That was I'm just sure. the first thing when I read the date. I was like, oh, no. So. I don't think he's posted anything on Instagram about it. Maurice. Oh, there's a cute picture of him holding baby Donna. <laughs> Uh, that was nice the way I mean I already knew that was the reason they named baby Donna Donna but that was nice the way that he made sure to tell the story behind that oh that yeah was beautiful that was like a really beautiful thread throughout the entire book was and back to Donna 
and back to Donna. Yeah. Yeah. Donna was a huge influence on him and she was a huge supporter of his. I thought that was a really sweet, sweet, nice relationship that he had with Donna and that he still has with Donna's family too. That that was nice yes. too. Right. It amazes me how people can be like that though, that she didn't want him there in the end because she didn't want him to see her like that. I don't think I would be able to be that strong. Yeah. I think I would want like everyone with me who I knew like loved me and who like I loved. I don't think I could. Yeah. Right. I agree with you. I don't think I could do that either. Hopefully we never have to find out. Hopefully not. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little unrealistic, but okay. (laughs) I know that we're going to die, but we don't know. Like I meant hopefully we're not going to be sick and like it's going to be right. Out, yeah, I yeah. I knew what you meant. <laughs> I know we're dying, Amanda. <laughs> All right, good. Good, good. I'm glad you accepted that reality. Yeah. I tell everybody just have a big party. Whenever I die, like forget the whole funeral, just run out some bar and have a good party. Like whole party reception again. Just celebrate it that way. Yep. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else. I mean, I could talk about it for days, but in the end, it was a good book. I just wanted more he did a really good job of being honest and getting in depth mm-hmm. you understood how the his wife progressed and how the story went but i still felt like in each section of his life i would have liked more or to gone deeper so that's why i would like his wife's viewpoint on it the yeah. she there needs to be a sequel written by paula yes. something. yeah yeah maybe he kept it shorter because i mean it's not even that short of a book i mean it's a typical mm-hmm. what is it something pages it's like 230 some pages i mean it's a typical typical book yeah. what you think of of someone writing a book it's not you know but maybe right. he was thinking about okay is anyone really going to want to read 400 plus pages we're sitting here going uh-huh yes we do yeah <laughs> i would have read it yeah totally he was thinking about that like that's true because we've all read those books we're halfway through you're like okay where is this going are we almost done and then they end mm-hmm wonderfully but you lose the middle right yeah yeah i guess yeah. Less- then there's the book you can't put down because you keep reading mm-hmm. them and you want more you know yes i don't know ashley was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with the book i don't think so so what book should we do next hmm did you guys have anything in mind i've never read robin's diary and i know that amanda has been dying for me to read it you have to read it, it was so good it was really short though that one you'll get through. It, was, it was really short but it was really good it was yes. really good but it was it was a short book right but it was it was super right, good yeah it'll take you right back to that 90s storyline 95 or whatever that was yeah it was good or maybe we'll do a poll oh that's a good idea that works that's a good idea yeah i'm sure there's books out there that we don't even know exist we could read the secret life of damien spinelli too that's a good one i've never read that i've never read that either it's good all right that's always not that's an option so definitely do that one too well yeah because there are a lot because i mean sean wrote his book and Carolyn Hennessy has mm-hmm. written books, but they're not like, well, she's the one who wrote Secret Life of, oh no, Diane wrote The Secret Life. Yeah, um, The Secret Life. But then, but then Carolyn Hennessy, she does have a series of like young adult mm-hmm. novels. I did see those on Amazon the other day when I was on there. And I know that Michael Easton has a book of poetry. Oh yeah. Jonathan Jackson wrote a book. That's right. He did. Yeah. So, all right. We will put a poll up, go from there. I mean, thanks so much for joining the book club today. and. Hopefully we'll have another one here soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks so much, guys, for putting us on. It was fun. Oh, absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Yep. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. So we hope that you enjoyed hearing the first General Hospital Fan Book Club meeting. 
going over Maurice Bernard's Nothing General About It. We're going to be putting a poll in our Facebook group of how frequently we want to be doing these books, especially if new episodes aren't going to be coming out anytime soon. <laughs> this is fun. I, I definitely, I don't know what frequency, depending on what people are available, but we definitely need to do it again. I, there's a thousand other books I'd like to read. Well, especially with the summer coming up. I mean, everyone always has like their beach book. So, right. you know, exactly. maybe we pick something. <gasps> we could do Love in Maine. There you go. That's a perfect speech book. Maybe we could do that one. And we know that it's available on Amazon. Right. But so we're going to put a poll in our group and we'll figure it out from there. But you can join us on Monday as we talk about this week, new episodes and Flashback Friday while we have them. So have a good weekend. And we'll meet you at the pier. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to go to pier54podcast.com to subscribe on your favorite platform. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on many social media channels. Just search for Peer 54 Podcast. Also, we are not perfect. So if there is something that we missed or messed up, just let us know by emailing us at peer54podcast at gmail.com. 